Trucking. I'm Dooner here with Michael Vincent the third, the third, the third, the third. Michael Vincent the third. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> on this, on this 300th, I had three in my mind there on this is. 300th episode of What the Truck. It is, man. And you know what everybody out there should do in our listening audience and viewing audience? What should they do? They should celebrate this by going to Carbon dot freightwaves.com oh. get a demo of the new uh, carbon intelligence platform within mm-hmm. sonar and dude when you do that you get one of these re- sorry not talking to my mic you get one of these really really cool t-shirts right here hey Freight show waves, them the back carbon intelligence is a front and that's not all it's got a back as well check that out check that out beautiful beautiful freightwaves Sharp. carbon intelligence what does it say here reduce your carbon freight print Check it out. There it is on the screen. Oh, freight print. I like Go a nice there, pun. Get a free demo of this thing. Check it out. It's really, really cool uh, yeah. uh, and important stuff, man. Yeah, and if you missed yesterday's uh, Net Zero Carbon Summit, all those sessions are on demand now. You can get them on your favorite podcast player of choice. Just look up Freightcast where you find every single Freightways podcast all on one convenient feed. Or go to live.freightways.com, click on the event, click on the agenda. All the sessions will be there or on the Freightways TV app where you may be watching this show as well. Great day. Not only just a 300th episode, also Mortal Kombat is out on HBO Max. <sighs> Reviews are a mixed bag, but people are saying, you know, not great characters, but great action. So that's a sell for me. Hey, that's what you're looking for, right? Yeah. I mean, when you go into Mortal Kombat, you're looking for action. Speaking of swag, know, know who killed it? Dan Lewis at Convoy by sending us those uh, oh, the, yeah. the, the, wolf, the wolf shirts that those we, awesome. we asked for. Thank three you, wolves Dan Lewis. Barking at the key, barking at the, uh, the sea. Yeah, barking at the moon. Yeah. Howling at the moon for their moonshot week, right? That's their creativity week or whatever it is. I love yeah. it, man. Very nice. Some entrepreneurs on his side. We're going to be talking to a truckerpreneur today. It's going to be a big episode. You know, she did something really cool. And I'm really enjoying these truckerpreneur episodes. In fact, we got Freight Bambino's hat on right now, right? right? Bambino had no a cattle. ghost cattle company. Yeah. Is it? All hat, no yeah. cattle. All hat, no cattle. Yeah. We had trucker stick on here, and today we're going to have safety for her. Melissa, she works in the towing industry. She noticed that for women, none of the safety gear is really designed for women. It's not cut for them. There's no leggings or any of those things. So she fixed that, and she made clothing that is both comfortable, safe, and uh, makes you look pretty good, too. Yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking to her. I can't wait to. I, I love entrepreneurs that just go out and solve a problem. We have another crazy story about a gentleman who was stuck on a cargo ship in Egypt for four oh, years. Dude. We'll get to that near the end. We have a whole it's bunch insane. of stuff. Let's get right into it, though. First, we'll tip the band here. This episode is brought to you by Redwood, a leading logistics platform company has provided solutions for moving and managing freight for more than 20 years. The company's diverse portfolio includes digital freight brokerage, flexible freight management, and innovative platform services such as El Pass and Redwood Connect that fill the gaps between logistics and technology. Contact Redwood at, tell them, dude. Redwoodlogistics.com immediately after the show. Headlines. I like the sizzle. All right. People fed up. People are fed up with the cargo congestion. Freight forwarders are fed up with it over at O'Hare Airport not in Chicago. Stand for this anymore. I've been hearing a lot of complaints about Chicago recently, not just at O'Hare, but also <laughs> in South Chicago really? at the rails right now. Oh, okay. Rail uh, about the uh, the transportation solution, the, the freight cargo movement. The freight cargo on okay, the rails. Right. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's been sitting for a not long just time. general complaints about Chicago. Just, there's those two. Okay. There's those two. <laughs> I mean, there's also a lot of love. I mean, right, there is. Chicago's a very prideful city. It. 
not talking any smack on Chicago, but Eric Coolidge reports cargo congestion has gone from bad to worse at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport, forcing importers to wait several days to retrieve shipments and promoting two large logistics companies to migrate air freight operations an hour west to an uncrowded facility mm. in Rockford, Illinois. So there is so much cargo piling up at O'Hare that airline handling agents, for the first time in memory, are actually renting warehouses in surrounding townships to handle all of this overflow until it can be sorted for customer pickup. Local trucking and logistics professionals are telling us. That's incredible. The problem stems from the stems, sorry, from the rush of ad hoc all cargo aircraft being substituted for grounded passenger jets amid the travel or da- travel downturn, combined with the surge in e-commerce uh, orders, inventory replenishments, and ocean shipping backlogs that have companies turning to air to move their goods. Major gateways like O'Hare are used to a mix of traffic. They're used to a mix of traffic, including scheduled freighters and frequent international passenger flights that bring freight in smaller chunks the onslaught of shipments colliding with the staffing shortages at the airport warehouses which are unable to quickly break down or consolidate shipments for transfer to other supply chain parties is really what the cause is here man yeah joe valdez he is uh, airport department manager for rnm trucking he gave us a few quotes on this he said last week during a virtual meeting of the international air cargo association of chicago that here's his quote the wave of freight that's come through in the last month has just been enormous most of the airlines don't have enough room so many times we go to de- we go to deliver export freight and they're turning us away because there's just no room on the floor for them to accept this freight. It's a real mess. RM actually has 135 drivers dedicated to airport yeah. shuffles, and their idle time per day went from get get this, three to five hours to almost 12 hours or more, according to company officials. Yeah, they're, so their turns are like from three to four to one to one and a half now. Crazy. It's crazy. unbelievable. Three, and a, three hours idle is crazy in that thing. Well, now it's 12. Valdez gives more context here. He says they're just sitting in line. They went from doing up to four turns per day to just one and a half. That's how bad it's gotten in just 90 days. Could get even worse. You know, you get, get more passenger airlines up in the air to get more of that belly cargo. One of the big problems here is they don't have the freight mix that they're used to, and that's creating this big asymmetry, this big imbalance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is one of the things that our friend Brian Schreiber at Rickenbacker in Columbus talks about. Some airports are built for little chunks of it. Yeah. Some are air cargo airports. O'Hare is not a total air cargo. And it yeah, and he, he warned of stuff like this, and now we're actually yeah. seeing it in action. Yep. Here's a story out of Clarissa Hawes, former, tri- former chief tribal judge. He's sentenced in a truck driver ticketing scheme, and here's what's going on. The former chief judge for the Northern Cheyenne Tribal Council in Montana was sentenced to six months in prison on Thursday in order to pay back nearly $11,000 for her role in an illegal ticketing scam that targeted commercial truck drivers caught speeding on the reservation. Uh, Ronnie Ray Brady, she's 52, of Lame Deer, Montana. She pleaded guilty to one count of wire fraud in U.S. court in Billings in December. Yeah, prosecutors claim that over a three-year period from 2014 through 2017, Brady helped establish an enforcement initiative to curb the commercial truck drivers speeding on U.S. Highway 212, which runs through the reservation. According to court documents, truck drivers were given uh, an option if they were pulled over speeding. They could pay the ticket for $125 or donate $250 to a special 
court clerks fund that prosecutors claim Brady established and controlled. If the truckers uh, opted for the donation and then and, and, and a deal that wasn't offered to other speeders, oh, just to the truckers. Why just truckers? Uh, because, I guess because the ticket is more uh, on the record, right? So yes, if so. they did it, then the ticket wouldn't go on a record and their insurance wouldn't go up. So I guess yeah. it's more important to not get a speeding ticket as a commercial truck Well, she driver. was doing this over a three-year <laughs> period, and, and during that, the tribal council collected more than $24,000 running this racket. Um, it was deposited into a donation fund that wasn't disclosed to, so if they created this slush fund, it wasn't disclosed to the tribe's finance office as required by tribal law, according to court documents. So federal prosecutors are also arguing that fines collected weren't legal because tribal law enforcement doesn't have jurisdiction over anyone who is not a Native American tribe member in criminal matters on this reservation. So messy one there. They're working it out. Speaking yeah. of mess, messy situations, Nicola's been in a few of those, but it looks like they're trying to dig themselves out. So Travel Centers of America and Nicola plan a plan California hydrogen stations. Alan Adler reports that Nicola Corp. will be partnering with Travel Centers of America to build two hydrogen fueling stations for fuel cell trucks in California. If uh, It is Nicola's second hydrogen infrastructure deal in a week, so these are starting to speed up a little bit. During the drama last fall surrounding their former executive chairman, Trevor Milton, he's was on the show before, and allegations of false claims about Nicola's business. Hydrogen partnerships expected by the end of the year were delayed. So tough time to make deals for Nicola at the end of last year, but seems some people are coming around now. Yeah, it seems like that. And so CEO Mark Russell told Freightways recently that Nicola was prepared to go it alone in building their hydrogen stations if necessary, right? But Nicola, president of energy and commercial, Pablo Casiner, told Freightways, Mark meaning Mark Russell, I think was uh, expressing a lot of confidence in his team, which I appreciate, but that's not our preference. We are a company of partnerships. Oh, so he was like, slow your roll, Mark. Yeah, we still like yeah. partnerships. Pump the brakes. Yeah, we're not Let's going go it alone. Yeah. we got to collaborate here. Yeah. Well, it's not a done deal, like many things. It's a tentative deal, and Nicholas had several of those collaborations fall apart before, notably that tie-up with General Motors to make the Badger, where they were going to take 11% stake in the company. Of course, Hindenburg Report comes out. That whole deal pops and, uh, and goes down. Yep. Goes down in flames. Well, you know, we mentioned we're going to be doing this Truckerpreneur episode, and the lady of the hour is here. It's Melissa Gaglione. She's the president of Safety for Her Inc. out of beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hello, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. How are you? Hey, what's going on? Where are, where are you hanging out right now? What's behind you? Uh, it's uh, my kind of inventory warehouse room. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Where's your warehouse located? In Milwaukee. Cool. Well, uh, give us a little bit of introduction to you and, and how you came about making this product, because I love the story. So um, I came um, into the towing industry about six years ago when I met my fiance. He um, has owned towing and trucking repossession companies for over 20 years. Um, my background generally is insurance and real estate. Um, when I met him, I joined with him and started kind of doing sales and towing, and that was really just my thing. But over the past like first two years, I'm like, wow, there's like a lot of women in this industry. I, I didn't realize. And then it kind of came to the point one day, I remember I had some type of, um, you know, show I had to go through to when I was speaking and I'm like, wow, I, you know, maybe I'll just wear a jacket, something high vis just to kind of like fit in at the time. And I couldn't find anything. And I was like, so what do all these women do that really are out there on a truck towing right now? I mean, what do they wear? So that kind of was like my aha moment. And then when we had hired on women, 
they kind of complained about the same thing. And just even the simple things of our yard girls that took inventory of the cars and, you know, we have trucks going in and out in the winter, it gets dark earlier. I'm like, this just doesn't make any sense to me. So I had asked some of our reps that would come around and sell us stuff. And they're like, you'll never find a small or a medium. It had never happened. And I'm like, this is just crazy. Do you understand like the injury aspect of this? So one day I was like, well, what's the greatest thing on earth? Um, leggings as women. And I was like, well, hey, crazy idea. Um, I had told my fiance, I was like, what if I just made like high vis leggings and they could just match the men's uniforms? And he's yeah. like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, we kind of, you know, we're kind of busy and we're like, you know, just going through stuff. And like five months later, I was like, you know what? I think I should really make these leggings. So I kind of did this terrible sewing job. And I had met with someone and found a manufacturer and I kind of did like a sample pair. And in 2018, I had went to a towing show and people were like asking me, oh my God, where did you get those? Where are they from? And I was like, "Mm, I mean, I just made them. They're like, you need to sell them. So in 2019, I did my first towing show and um, I kind of, I, I pretty much sold out out of everything and was picked up from East Coast Truck and Trailer Sales, which does a lot of obviously East Coast sales of safety wear and things of that nature. And all of 2019, then I traveled around the U.S. with them. And it was super cool because I met with tons of women and little did I know everybody had the same issue. Like, I can't find gloves. These pants are great. Um, You know, I kind of called it like the vest dress. So I'll buy a medium vest, but say I have bigger hips or bigger bust area. And now, well, now I got to go up a size size bigger. Well, now I got this hanging dress basically in high vis is what I look like. Um, So I went into creating vests that were customizable and that kind of fit the stomach area and adjusted the same way the leggings did. And it does help with injury because when you're hooking things up on a semi or even on a tow truck, you know, you walk by a lever or something hanging out, you can get caught and you can slip or fall. Um, That's kind of where it came from. And I was, you know, it was kind of honestly shocking at first because I'm thinking little old me just sew these leggings together and here I am now. (laughs) Melissa, that's a great story. And I'm glad you brought up the, 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 issue of the uh, vest dress and why it is such a safety hazard and the safety aspect of this because you know as we pitch the show we get comments and we had some comments the other day that were like you know well Mm -hmm. maybe the maybe that uh uniform is just made for safety and stuff like that and women don't have to look good was kind of like the thing that was in it it doesn't have to be flattering or fashionable that's Mm -hmm. not the motivation it was the safety aspect and the comfort right yes and you know the thing is is you know at first obviously anything new um The towing industry obviously has mainly been male dominated, just like the trucking. Um, You know, a lot of men at first, their reaction was, oh, you're trying to make this about, you know, sexual. You're trying to make this. And I said, no, I mean, even for myself, I'm a mom. We have five kids. I'm running from the shop to, you know, maybe, you know, a soccer game or running to the mall. I don't want to be stuck in these clothes that are so big and bulky. It's kind of like interchangeable. And, um, actually in 2019, I had met Ellen Voy at a Amazon event cause I was signed on as, um, one of a 10 value added service providers for safety clothing for the trucking department. And 
amazing woman. Um, Ellen has totally taken me under and really has supported everything that I've done. And the biggest thing was the trucking industry with women. It was the same thing. You're sitting down, driving in a truck, um, you know, having leggings and something even is better for circulation. I mean, you're getting out of truck stops any time of night, you know, you're easily, they're easily on you and you know, they're reflective. People can see you. Yeah, so you've mentioned that, you know, you've, you've been doing this for a few years now. How big of a market do you think this is, especially now that you're going out of, out of towing into trucking? I mean, we talk about the asymmetry of, of genders in trucking a lot. I believe only 7% mm -hmm. of, of women are female truck drivers. But due to that, they're a completely underserved market. Definitely. And, you know, when I first came into it, obviously, my big thing was towing. That's where my main part was. You know, I had trucking. And now that I've gotten to more of the trucking aspect, you know, that's just another market. But I mean, it's ran into even the running industry, the construction industry, you know, flaggers, you know, Canada is a huge thing with flaggers. That's another, you know, area. It's just amazing how many women, you know, have the same issue and are like, well, why hasn't this happened already? And honestly, it's something I thought of, like, why hasn't anybody done this? That's, I'm, I was thinking to myself, the running industry, it's, yeah. it's got to be going there. But so you, you talk mm -hmm. about the leggings a lot. And, and I guess maybe that was the, the first motivation, whatever. Is that your yep. most popular product or what? Let's talk about some of the other products you have. We talked exclusively really about about <laughs> leggings. What else are you making? Um, I just actually came out with gloves. Um, the biggest thing with the gloves, um, that was like the third thing women had mentioned to me. It was the pants, the um, vest, obviously, because that's the most common thing all everybody wears, men and women. And then gloves. A lot of women had a lot of complaints on gloves because our hands are, you know, scientifically smaller than men. And they're like, you know, even if I get a medium, it's still bulky on my fingers. It's, you know, things of that nature. So I'm sorry, somebody is in the background. I'm going to tell them. We're having somebody fix our flooring um, in our shop. Um, so, so I actually just launched gloves during COVID which was real interesting to do, um, that are extra small, um, sizes they come in. And, you know, right now the biggest thing is women pushing, like, why isn't this in the truck stop? I can't order it online. If I'm in a truck, I need mm -hmm. it to be, you know, in, in, in these stops. So that's really my main goal right now. Um, just like it was with the towing industry, like you need to have this here for us now, what can I do to get it in to the trucking industry and to the women there? Uh, that's such an interesting point, too, about distribution and, and with drivers. Oh, by, yeah. Just by nature, so many of their stops are at the loves of the world, travel centers of America at the world, getting that, that Nikola hydrogen fuel promise of the future. <laughs> no, but how hard is it to get distribution in these these types of stores? And, and how has growth been as, as you try to get this to your customers? Like, what are you learning along the way? I mean, I, I'm definitely learning that I have a lot more support than I thought I did. Um, you know, it's amazing the strangers that are so supportive. I mean, I go to these shows and I just have women that come up to me and just, I just want to hug you. I just want to, I, I just, I'm so happy. You're the reason I came here. Um, you know, obviously COVID slowed down a lot of things. You know, 2019 was like kind of like my testing year. You know, I wanted to meet people face to face. I wanted them to show this product face to face, you know, because it hasn't been out before. Um, 20, you know, obviously was a hard year across the board for any company, but I think that um, 20 was really um, the way to work on the back end, um, patent pending for the leggings, um, federally trademarked, um, 
from my company. And now it's just kind of getting back to where I was just kind of pushing the product and, you know, trying to reach out and make contacts. And, you know, it seems like the shows are coming back again. So, um, you know, I definitely, um, am prepared to be, you know, right there with everyone showing what I have to offer. That's awesome. Uh, so you, uh, safety for her won a first place in Wisconsin's project pitch. Oh, wow. Winning a $10,000 cash prize and viewers choice award. So congratulations to that. Can you tell Thank us you. what's behind that story? Tell us about that story. So we have, um, obviously here it's a, it's a college cardinal stretch that runs, um, a show called project pitch. It's kind of like a mini shark tank. And so um, companies here pitch their ideas and you can win either the cash prize or some other kind of neat um, business type of prizes. Um, they had asked me to be on the show and I won and I was very shocked. Nice. Um, it was super cool. It really helped me with my inventory to be able to roll out the gloves and work on, you know, making new prototypes and stuff like that. What was that experience like? And that had to be pretty valuable as a, as a new business owner because you really had to think about your value proposition, right? And, and how do I tell this to not just a consumer market but an investor market, which, which are both incredibly important to business? How did you prepare and what was the, uh, what was the pitch like? Were you nervous? I was nervous. Um, for some reason, I kind of do things like I'm better at like just off, you know, like the general conversation versus like the planning of the pitch. But um, I took a couple actually classes here in Milwaukee. We have different programs that are really cool for um, entrepreneurs where they kind of show you like how to construct the pitch, how, you know, to get your valuation. So by having that support and stuff, it kind of helped prepare me for that. Yeah. So one of the things reading that article, you said, when you're trying to build something, you're missing things. We maneuver what we have to maneuver. What, what lessons have you learned along your way? And can you explain that? Um, definitely that um, people sometimes aren't what they turned out. Um, you know, in the beginning, I had some people that were bringing on as business partners and just, you know, trying to figure out the business aspect um, definitely was opening for me. Um, retail is a whole different type of thing. You know, I manufacture myself overseas. Um, you know, the trial and error of, you know, learning the sampling, learning what you pay when you ship, you know, the amount, like how much do, does it take to make something versus to sell something, you know, the quality checks, the safety checks. Um, I, I've learned that, you know, there's a lot of different types of detail that go into things, but I will say that even with the errors or anything that, you know, I've been hard on myself has definitely taught me and helped me get to where I am now the next day. Yeah, it seems like you're doing an, an excellent job. So you mentioned 20 was kind of tough. How are our are, are sales now? And what now that you have these these um, extra products out there? How are people receiving them? Uh, I mean, sales definitely have picked up from where they were before. Um, I, like I said, I kind of like pulled back during COVID and I really wanted to work on like the inside infrastructure of the company. Okay, like let's really plan this out. Let's, you know, dot our I's and cross our T's on certain legal things to protect the company. You know, I mean, there's always people that are going to try to knock off and make what you have. And, and I understand that, but my mission stands strong and same with my quality. And that's the biggest thing that I push is, you know, everything that I do, I create and make myself. And, um, you know, just standing strong in that and just understanding that, you know, I may have a bad day, but I'll have a good day and, you know, to keep moving and the support that I get from everyone is what actually keeps me going. Well, so you mentioned you make the products yourself. So is that just the prototypes or are you making these all 
in house in that that room you're in now, are you sourcing them from overseas? What is the what is the supply chain behind these look like? So, like I said, I'm not a sewer, um, but um, <laughs> I have learned to sew a little bit. Um, my manufacturer definitely laughs at me sometimes, but um, I, I do create the product here, and then I send it out. I get my samples, and then you know, once I approve something, then I place my order, and then I get them in and doing the quality checks and just making sure everything's done the same way. Um, you know, I've definitely learned with manufacturing, you know, you have companies where they may send you the sample a certain way and then you get your product and it's not what the sample is. So trial and error there, you're like, okay, great. Well, I just wasted $5,000 on an order that I can't use. So, I mean, it's definitely, it's, (laughs) it's not a walk in the park, (laughs) but I mean, the, the reward at the end is great. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, you, you, your mission is very clear and your passion for it is very clear and your vision is as well. So tell us about building the brand. I mean, you started this when the, you, you took it to a couple of places. They loved it. But you got to go past just a couple of people loving this thing. How are you building this brand? Um, I mean, I definitely am safety for her is the main part of the brand, but you know, I've had men come up to me now like, okay, so you just forget about us. And I'm like, no, I mean, I have, (laughs) I have plans to expand. Like I own safety for him. I own safety for her. I own safety for girls and um, safety for boys as well. So, I mean, I, my plans for long-term five years is to kind of connect and, you know, have safety wear for everyone. Um, my biggest thing is I want women to walk into any store and be able to get a small, a medium, an extra small in anything. So, um, I, I kind of want to make it as a family of safety clothing that anybody can wear. One thing I always hear women complain about is that there's no pockets on their pants, right? <laughs> this seems like, why isn't anyone doing this? Why are you, are you going to make some cargo shorts for, for women or something? Like, what's your, what's your next product to address the market? Well, you know, the leggings do have three pockets. They have oh, a wow. pocket, one on each oh. side, and one in the back. So there, there is pockets there, and that was the biggest thing was for our girls in the yard was, you know, they can carry their notepads, their phones, pens, things of that nature so that, you know, they have pockets. Um, my next thing is really working on more of the heavy duty, um, kind of like work pants, um, you know, the reinforced knees, um, winter wear rain suits. Like I said, it's a trial and error process. I've been working on that since I started and, you know, I'm very, very selective of the quality. I won't rush to release something if it's not right. And, you know, that's definitely in the long term of creating that kind of wear for women. Nice. So, um, if you could redesign uniforms for other industries, are there other industries in your target that, that are, or that you're eyeing to move on to next besides outside of trucking, or does this just translate across different industries? It, it's funny you mentioned that. I just had a FedEx worker come up to me the other day, and she was like, can you make these in purple? Can you have <laughs> leggings in purple with a reflective line for us? And I was like, absolutely. Tell them to call me. I'll make any color. You know, I'm big on, you know, first responders. I'm big on, you know, any trucking, towing. Um, You know, my goal is to go into the police force, you know, um, emergency, um, firefighters, any anything that comes with that. Um, So um, I would love to be part of that. 
Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm Mr. Wonderful and this is Shark Tank, that's oh, yeah. what I'd be saying. I'd be like, you know, great to get in the travel centers, but I think one of your biggest opportunities here, especially for for the um, for the carrier side, is to go directly to these corporate accounts and convince them that these outfits will be great for recruiting, especially recruiting women. That they would show very well in ads and online. Wouldn't you agree with me, Mike? Oh yeah, absolutely. Almost colors? like licensed stuff. Yeah, yeah, for UPS, FedEx, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. In their yeah. brand. Big brown, I mean, the big brown uniforms, those also look very male designed. I mean, like, like you've yeah. keyed in yeah. on, most of this stuff looks like it's made for men. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, a, lot of, a lot of men sometimes say, well, you're just trying to segregate us. No, what I'm trying to oh, do yeah. is just make it comfortable. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it, it's just, you know, it, I've learned that some people just are stuck in their ways and they have what mm. they have. Um, but I mean, my big thing is just making it comfortable for women. I mean, even at the airport, I was just in Florida with my family and I was at the airport and I'm like, she's just wearing cargo pants and nobody really can see her. She needs leggings. I like, I want to just start throwing leggings at people too with safety vests. <laughs> so I gotta, do you, do you, do you face that a lot? Like why, why are men such babies? Like they won't give an inch in some of these asymmetrical industries. You're already dominated. Like why can't mm -hmm. women be safer and feel more comfortable? Um, and we, we even got that response yesterday. It was like, yeah. why do they need to look? Why, why do they, they need to, to be fashion? They don't need fashion. Well, like, well there's excess material that can get caught in machines. Yeah, I mean, exactly. there's, there's a there's a reason behind all of this. Is that something you face a lot? Is that just that kind of blowback? You know, I did it first. Now, like when the women have come with their husbands or boyfriends and they're like, you know, this is why. And they're like, wow, this is really why. You know, so now I have men that actually will buy for their whole, you know, either the girls in the office or, you know, just their wives that ride with them. I mean, I have so many, so many different men that are like, you know what? Thank you. I didn't understand this at first. I mean, I even had some men that came up to me that totally bashed me online and they were like, you know what? I'm sorry. I did that. I really understand your purpose now. Well, that's good. People yeah. are stepping up and owning it. Should we uh, yeah. go to the well, wheel? There go. Let's spin it once. Hey, how about the wheel of stupid questions? Yeah, huh? We'll give you one trip around sure. the moon on this one. My inner wizard. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't know. I don't know if you're going to tell Michael Vincent this how to unlock his wizard. How do I unlock my inner wizard? <laughs> no, now, what, here's, what is it this time? here's the question: You're locked in a mall during a zombie invasion. Which store do you make your home base? Oh, I'm locked in a mall in a zombie invasion. Which store would I make my home base? <sighs> you probably want some weapons, some rations. I was thinking. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 You got a Walmart attached I mean, to your mall? That's a good choice. Yeah, Walmart, I mean, that, yeah. That, that would be a good choice, but I don't have a Walmart attached to my mall. That's why I'm trying to think oh, of she's where. Probably the security station. Oh. That would yeah. be like the only place that I would pick in our mall. There is mall the security, next thing is, right? I mean. I could yeah. have a CBD store. I could drug myself so that I'm not <laughs> scared. Well, you could go, you could go in the security. The, you could redesign the security uniforms, too. Those need some help. They like, certainly you know, do. You want to look good in the mall Maybe on the Segway. Well, hey, you, you've been a pleasure today, and we really like your cause and, and this, this entrepreneurship you're doing here. People who want to get some of your gear, how do, where do they go? Um, www.safetyforher.com. Um, that's the website. You can order anything off of there. You can also find us on Facebook at Safety for Her 2018. Melissa, Melissa, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye. 
All right. Awesome. I think I heard a, I think I heard a lion roar. That's because the logistics lion, Javon Bryant, he's director of carrier development at Edge Logistics out of Chicago, Illinois. I wonder if he's abandoned O'Hare Airport. He's joining us now. Javon, what's up, man? Oh, we need to bring up his volume. Hey, Javon, what's up, man? Yeah, we got you now. Yeah. yeah, we got you now. What's happening? D- did you guys ask me to roar? Sure. Yeah, yeah, give it to us. Of course. But look, if I roar, you guys have to roar, right? Okay. Should we all roar together? Like, like, like roar right, on here. three? All right, yeah. one, one, two, three. Nice. Yeah. Kevin's going to reverberate. You so, shocked me with that one. All right, Hakuna Matata, how did you get the, uh, <laughs> how did you get the Logistics Lion moniker? Uh, honestly, I'm a, I'm a Leo, right? So we kind of took oh. advantage of that. And um, I started getting tattoos all on my arm and, Stuff like that of the logistics lion. Well, not the logistics lion, but the lion. <laughs> and so I just kind of took advantage of it uh, because I'm I'm all about like the the um uh what is it uh, Lion King. I love that. It's my favorite movie. So I kind of just went with that, and uh, we went with it. Yeah. Well, you just can't wait to be king. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, but if you're going to be king, you've got to have relations. You got to have an army behind you, right? Yes. You've got to have. You got to have I those, do. those, those allies. Let's talk about that relationships with your internal team, man. How important is is it, and how do you build those relationships as a bro- broker with all other people, customer sales, etc.? Yeah, building your kingdom. That's man. very important. That's very very important. You're actually right. So as a broker, um, you know, I was doing well, and I was trying to figure out a way to take it to the next level. And uh, you know, I kind of hit a stump, and I'm just like, well, I was I was new, so I started looking around the office. Uh, a lot of guys taking my loads, um, so I, I started to really pinpoint in on like who I was going to target, and I targeted Carter because he he was the guy who had access to to the loads. <laughs> he was building the loads quickly and fast, and so like whenever these loads come, um, I would ask Carter. Like, yo, could you let me get this line? Like, for instance, Dallas to Houston, I had a carrier to run this lane. And so um, I asked Carter, I'm like, is there a way that you can, like, give me, a, like, a five-minute heads up of, like, when this lo- when these loads are going to be built? Um, and so, like, he, you know, we, we started to go out, happy hour. I, and I, I really think that building these relationships with these guys are important because they have access to tools that we don't as brokers. Um, and then going on to the accounting department when it comes to invoicing, right? Um, you might be, you might be what, $10,000 short from hitting commission, right? And you have a stack of invoices. So you reach out to all of these carriers, you know, send in the, but look, you got, you got this, you got this, uh, this, this guy, you got, I call it your guy. Everybody, everyone has a guy, right? Mm-hmm. So you reach out to them and, and they'll do things for you if you establish that relationship with them and just, um, you know, take the time to understand what's what's going on in their day on in their day. So I really feel like, uh, you know, just that that's very important. And it's helped me a lot. It's helped me take it to the next level. So, yeah, it's a beat a team player aspect, man. Well, I got speaking of the team. I know Bill Kerr over at Edge Logistics. So I got to ask you, is he Mufasa? Is he Scar? Is he Puma? Is he Timon? Who? Where does he Ooh, fit into the he movie? Can be- he can be Mufasa. He can be, he can be, honestly, he can play all the roles. Like, honestly, I've, I've been in, as a broker, look, we had this door. We had this door over in the, on the broker side and we would just like show up randomly and like be right behind you. Like, how's it going? And just making sure we're all doing up, you know, our, our part. And, uh, he's been, he's a very active, you know, active president. And, uh, I, I couldn't ask for a better one, you know? 
So I like this too, because you're talking about building that internal marketing, building that internal yeah. rapport. Because if, if you don't do it, you have an issue internally, you got those people inside the company who give you attitude, they say no over simple requests and yes. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the other important thing is, you know, you got to keep the, the inside team happy, but the outside team as well. So how do you bring this leadership out to the carriers outside the walls? I, I think uh, with carriers is different. Uh, we got you just got to really pump your brakes, and especially as a broker, you have to be patient with these guys. You have to understand them, be willing to listen. You know, because none of us know what goes on in these guys' day to day lives, right? And I think with me, with my grandfather driving for thirty, what thirty four years, I have a sensitive spot in my heart for these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went in as a broker kind of hard, you know, everybody, you, you get that image as a broker being tough and being aggressive and stuff. So, and, but it, it didn't really work out that way for me. So I was always a guy who I'm a people's person. I'm willing, like, if I see you down, I want to know how to pick you up. And so I, I really took that to heart and, you know, I start, everybody's different. Everybody's different, but I think just being patient with these guys and just being willing to do something that someone else isn't. Um, I think that really sets you apart from from the rest of the brokers out there. Um, I got, you know, all of my guys, they still have my personal number. We're still connected. I know their daughter's name. I know when she's going to play soccer or whatever, you know, just different stuff like that. Um, and, and, and I'm just always willing to listen. And I think that's what set me aside in building yeah, that rapport. I, I agree with you, and I love what you're what, what you're talking about here, having that empathy for other people, understanding that they're just not a tool for you to make money. Yeah. Right, and, and understanding exactly. that they're humans too, and, and actually caring and being sincere about it goes a long, long, long way. Um, you know, exactly. Your, you know, Javon, reading your reading your LinkedIn, et cetera, I, I see that you're very passionate about Chicago. You love Chicago, and you don't like people who like pretend oh. to love Chicago. Oh, I, I do love exactly. Chicago, and I do, and I will say all seasons, as you point out. If you just love it in the summer, you exactly, don't my man's, my man. You, you got to love it. I'm from I'm from Cleveland. I spent a lot of time in Chicago as well. Had relatives there as well growing up. But I want to ask you a question: Who's got What's the up? best Italian beef, my friend? Because when I go to Chicago. I immediately, I plan, always have, I always plan it so that I go directly to mm. Portillas and stuff my face with a com, uh, mm. combo. Uh, what's, what's best? Al's, uh, Portillas, what you got? Ooh, Al, mm, that's crazy. When I was living out by Wrigley, it was always Al's beef because it was so convenient. Okay. But now I'm, you know, down here at Streeterville and um, I find myself going to Portillo's all the time. Yeah. Um, the food guru, like the guy here with food, like to, like really, if you want to know where to go, it's Will. Will Curry's always taking me to the best restaurants <laughs> here in Chicago. Literally, the guy, the guy knows the best, the best spots. Him and Maria, and like honestly, I, I couldn't couldn't tell you off the bat. Like, I, I'm a Portillo's guy. Yeah, Portillo me too. for me. Wow. That's what I was looking for. Where yeah. were you, Al or Portillo? I'm a Portillo's. Well, guy. I had a horrible experience in Chicago because I went down there and I I never had a deep dish pizza in Chicago. We went, we were filming a a show here actually. We yeah. were filming a freight wave show over at at Echo, uh-huh. if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and we, I went to order the pizza and I ordered this margarita pizza and it came out and it took like 45 minutes and it came out and it was a thin, it was like a cracker thin pizza. I couldn't believe it. And then the two guys that are with me from here, not only do they videotape my reaction and my tears and laugh at me, <laughs> but I cast a curse on them and they're no longer here anymore. Watch what you do. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> Poof, spin, they're spin, gone. Spin the hey. wheel for us. We're spinning the wheel of stupid questions, Javon. So how do I right. unlock my inner yeah, yeah. wizard? Again? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to laugh every time you say that. All right, this goes. Here's a good one. 
The wet bandits are breaking in, and you're home alone, Javon. What's the best booby trap you can cobble together with stuff lying around your own house? Hmm. Let's see. I would say booby trap. I'm going to... All right, so I have to put... I'm going to drill a hole in the the ceiling. I'm going to put a sheet there, like a heavy sheet. I got a... I, I don't... Honestly, what do I have here to build with that? Honestly, just like a lot of heavy and just put it there and put a string to where when they open up the door, it just drops on them. Yeah, oh, nice. I don't know. Right. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm looking at yeah, something like that. Right? Roadrunner style. Like just turn them into accordion. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like wildly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just drop an anvil yeah, on forget, head. Yeah, forget the deposit. Forget jo- the deposit. We don't need it back. We drill holes. <laughs> Javon, I like anybody who brings your energy and can intertwine pop culture and movies with their conversation about freight. So we'd be glad to have you back sometime. But in the meantime, people want to connect with you. Where should we send them? Uh, send them, send, send them over to, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you got the logistics line, um, or you can search me by my name, Javon Bryant. Um, IG, we got the underscore logistics underscore line and you can find me. Thank you so much, Sweet. Javon. We appreciate it. Keep Chicago, keep Chicago cool, man. My guys. Thank Always you. welcome. Peace and love, Javon. Right. Vin, Vin, yesterday's show, yesterday's show was all about because we were at the Net Zero Carbon Summit. It was all about cutting back the empty calories of freight, those empty miles. And a lot of yeah. people are talking about you got to do it through route optimization, right? You do. Just you can start right now, just doing it with route optimization. Basic te- blocking and tackling. Basic blocking and tackling. But you know what? Blocking and tackling is getting more elaborate. And sure our is. guest today, Ryan Rusnick, he's CTO over at Aerospace Technologies. They actually just got a patent. For their for their route optimizing software, he's oh, going to tell okay. us a little bit about it. What well, sounds pretty cool, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to be here. Yeah, man. Where, where are you? Where are you sitting right now? So we're in Carlsbad, California, the golf capital of the United States, out in San yeah. Diego. I love it. Beautiful. Nice. I've been there a few times. Yeah. Nice area. So yeah. uh, we we were mentioning this patent and this this whole theme of route optimization came up, and I know airspace is pretty deep in that. But I was also reading you guys just got granted a patent, so I was really curious what what is the patent? What does it protect? What what do you have planned? We did so the patent is really on the core app, the core part of the application, and what it does is it calculates the most optimal path for any given commodity to minimize risk between any given points on the globe. That's a really really hard thing to do. So, for instance, like going from the optimal path between some area in San Francisco and some area in Boston, any idea how many options there are, how many paths there are that are valid between those? Oh, I'm sure there's millions. Over 180 million. Yeah. Um, And let's say you're going internationally, there's over a quadrillion options. And it takes a computer like four hours just to count to a trillion. So being able to calculate all of those possible options and find the best one for that exact commodity is very, very, very challenging. And that's what we solved. That's awesome. So give us the elevator on airspace. Where did, where did, where did it come from? Was it, is it not human organs? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're a time critical freight forwarder based in San Diego. Um, and the, yeah, the, the reason we started is because time critical shipping was just kind of broken. When we started one in three time critical shipments didn't make it on time. And these are the most precious things you could possibly imagine. These are organs for transplant, parts for downed aircraft. I mean, downed aircraft, you're losing $150,000 an hour. So you can get there two hours faster, you save 300 grand. And one in three of those was always late. So we started to solve that problem. And the reason that the industry was so broken is because everyone is doing things over the phone, just doing their best, walking flight lists, getting on Google Maps, and just 
calling and dispatching drivers over the phone. We do it all with algorithms. So our you know, on-time percentage and success rate is much, much, much higher. Wow. So people out there are probably like, well, I've heard of route optimizing software and all that kind of thing. So how does this differentiate from it? You've kind of touched on it. And a lot of it is just the its ability to sort of calculate all these these endpoints, right? Yeah, I think a lot of times when people think of route optimization software, they're thinking of driving. You can think of this route optimization is much more related to flying. So mm. uh, you can think of the kayak problem, right? Where you know you say, I am in San Francisco or I'm in SFO. I want to fly to BOS. And that's actually a pretty challenging algorithm just there. But for us, it's you don't know what airport, right? I mean, you could fly out of any three airports in San Francisco and land in any three airports in Boston or D.C. And based on traffic conditions, where the drivers are, where the piece is, um, that changes. So it's actually a vastly more complicated problem. And it's much more relevant to freight forwarding, to shipping, because we don't know what airport is best. And if, let's say, the flight gets canceled, um, you can proactively or you can immediately reroute and uh, while there's the most amount of options. So maybe while you're going to SFO, stop and then go to SJC. It's getting even more dynamic, too. We taught one of the stories we covered. I think our top story today was on uh, O'Hare. A lot of freight forwarders are moving yeah. cargo at O'Hare to other nearby airports. And those are things that a lot of freight forwarders may not be familiar. They may not have utilized. So this software would be highly beneficial, especially because you're, you're ignorant to a lot of these endpoints, as you mentioned. To- totally agree. And truly, like everyone outside of airspace is doing this with people. And uh, this is just a problem that people need help from computers to solve to, to be a true optimum. You, you want the best path for that organ for transplant. You need to use a system. I'll give a quick example from COVID. Um, I mean, during COVID, there was like a 25x um, increase in flight cancellations. It was hard to get anything anywhere. And our average delay only went up seven minutes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, everyone wow. else couldn't get things for days, our average life was just seven minutes. So is that through relationships or the, the platform? Is that, that is from the optimization of the platform purely. Is that right? Exactly, yeah. So let's say the driver's on the way to the airport and all of a sudden all of United flights get canceled. You know, yeah. we, we can then run the algorithm again and say, okay, now put it on Southwest and route it through Dallas and it'll get there. So because we can do that before the flight takes off and we know that in real time, there's the most amount of options left. Uh, let me just ask him real quick just okay, to follow up here how yeah. so how much freight is just getting kind of stuck on the tarmac or stuck at airports due to weather or these cancellations that you mentioned uh i mean it's it's not a ton are getting stuck on the tarmac um yeah. but a lot are getting stuck in the cargo facility um yeah. because you know like the, all the rest of the flights are canceled now it's got to get there next day and for an organ for tissue now it's no longer valid yeah, I, I was just, I was just going to ask. So like you mentioned during uh, you know during the pandemic how things were, and you and you only delayed by seven. When you're talking about these things like the cancellation of flights, et cetera, and you say we can reroute, does your does it automatically do that? I mean, you're you're looking at all these inputs, and when something dies in that in that uh, or or there's a, a node that drops out, does it automatically start rerouting and suggest uh, options? We do. So once a driver picks it up and it's on the way, we have like a real-time subscription to all the events that are coming from the airline. And if one of those events is a cancellation or a delay, we recalculate the entire thing. Gotcha. Well, so when I worked at FedEx Trade Networks, I used to work on the Reebok team. So we're shipping shoes and clothing and apparel around. And, you know, something got canceled. There was always sort of a saying inside. And it's like, well, we'll get it on the next thing we can. But it's not like we're shipping hearts around. You know, we're not saving lives. You this guys are. Science. So you have a much harder problem. You know how important time is. Absolutely. And I mean, it's really easy to get out of bed because of that. But at the same time, like a lot of times writing software 
that what's on the other end of a bug is not someone's life. So we have to take it very, very seriously. Um, but it's a really awesome mission. And uh, like I said, it's, it's really easy to get out of bed in the morning because we're, we're creating better outcomes for patients um, and just lots of people. Feels good. That's awesome, Ryan. So you guys just uh, recently closed a, uh, a a Series C funding round, yeah. is that, uh, I, I believe. And so what's what's next? What's next on the build out? Yeah, so we, we sure did. Um, and right now, I think if you're shipping something, let's say like domestically of a reasonable size, it's a really incredible experience. I mean, it's kind of a, a no brainer to use airspace, mm-hmm. but we want to make that experience uh, the same. So whether you're shipping an aircraft part from here to Memphis or an aircraft engine from here to Hamburg, we want to make that the exact same experience and that easy. And that's exactly what we're doing. So we've got a, a new device uh, that we're calling AirTrace that can actually actually detect a failure to load situation. And that is going to be huge for you know moving things like uh, aircraft engines that can get stuck on the runway and uh, leave a, a 747 just down for days. You sound pretty confident, but you're also the CTO. So this, th- what you're saying kind of falls on you. Um, this sounds like a, a hard problem. Is it a hard problem to solve? Absolutely. I mean, when, when I met Nick, who's my co-founder, I was looking for the absolute hardest problem that I could use to measure my skills. And, <laughs> you know, we wrote the MVP and maybe that was kind of like a masochistic move. But now we've got an incredible team uh, here. So I, I am confident just because of them. Well, congratulations for that. And you can hear the passion in his voice, yeah. right? I believe you guys are going to be very, or you are successful and going to be, continue to be. Yeah. Um, Give him a trip around the wheel. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's hit the wheel of stupid questions. Wheel of stupid. Ready and go. Ready to go. So how do I unlock my inner wizard? <laughs> we don't have to play that every time. Just once is good. <laughs> they love to just, they'd like to do that. So here's, here's what we got for you, my friend. What is the best music to listen to while hacking? <laughs> I feel like I was targeted for this question. I, I don't know. The wheel Are you knows. Claiming this the, wheel is rigged. The Never. wheel knows, man. The wheel knows all. <laughs> so I, I feel like it's anything that you listened to ten years ago and know all the words to. Yeah. So for me, it'd be like old school punk rock, <laughs> because oh, yeah. you, know, Love it. you know, you know all the words, so it doesn't distract you, and it just gets you in that zone that you want to be in all the time. Sweet. I was yeah. listening to Garbage Man on the way into work today. I, I agree with you hundred percent. Nice. Love that. (laughs) Ryan, you and your team are up to some great stuff. People want to connect. They want to learn more. How do, how, where do we send them to? Yeah. I mean, people can always reach out directly to me, Ryan at airspace.com, but yeah, check out our new rebranding, um, at just airspace.com. It's beautiful. Uh, you can check out everything we do, get a demo of the platform. Um, it will blow you away. Thank you so much for your time today, Ryan. Have a great weekend. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks Ryan. Peace. I bet we're going to see all these folks at F3, too. And we'll see you at F3 as well, because everybody's going to be there. And you're somebody. So Everybody who is anybody, yes. November 8th to 10th, F3, the Future of Freight Festival. It's a Coachella Freight. It's happening right here in Chattanooga. Live events are back. Your two friends up here, we're fully vaccinated. So we'll be all, we'll be all hugs and handshakes oh, yeah. when we see you. Absolutely. Right? Maybe we take you over to that insider studio. We still studio. got a special code for that? Or we still got a special code. Sweet. Go to live.freightwaves.com. Put in the code WTT. We'll save you 200 bucks. And this is the cheapest you're ever going to be able to get a ticket again for because next month the prices go up. The base oh, yeah. price goes up. So even if we get a new code, it's just going to take a little bit off this new base price, but there's going to be a new base price. It's going to be higher. There's only so much we can do. So we're Wait, telling you now. Explain that to me again. If you want to make a great investment, do it right now. Do it now. Never get buy now, right? Because buy low, yeah. sell high. And then yeah, you'll be good it. news. Or got if you it. don't, you'll have some bad news. Bad news. Good news.
There we go. There All right, go. so some bad news. Someone set a dumpster on fire in St. Paul, Minnesota, behind a building. Not I think cool, we have right. a picture of this dumpster. Not um, cool. Not cool. There we go. Every single mode of transportation is a complete dumpster fire. Yeah, there's the freight market. <laughs> <laughs> so a tow truck driver. Does say 2020 on it? A tow truck driver noticed the man, uh, noticed the man doing it. He noticed someone setting that, that dumpster on fire behind the building. Yeah. And uh, that's when he sprung into action. He hooked the freight market to the back of his tow truck, and he pulled it to safety. Away from the building, the 35-year-old driver, Dean Matheson, called the fire department. They put it out, and he saved the day. Thank you, quick-thinking t- truck driver. <laughs> is really awesome. I got some good news for you. Yeah. A sixth grader in Tennessee named Caden Griffin has a science fair and a cat. Whoa. He's got both. Wow. What are the chances? I do have a cat, yeah. All right, excellent. Well, he tackled a question some cat owners have always been curious about. Maybe you have yourself. Um, Does their butt touch surfaces around the house? I've wondered, and I try to block it out of my mind. (laughs) It's something you want to put out of your mind. In fact, he called the project, Does Your Cat's Butthole Really Touch All the Surfaces in Your Home? You know, you that think about it. I mean, when you got a cat, you, you do think about it. But again, you haven't gotten sick from your cat, so. You do. Yeah. You do. I believe I'm unlocking my inner wizard with this, with this good new thing. <laughs> so, what, so what he did was he put non-toxic lipstick on, uh, on that region and then yes. let the cat roam around. And his findings, well, cats with long and medium hair didn't make any contact with hard or soft surfaces. Oh, that's good. So that's good, right? Yeah, yeah. Bad news is, oh. according to the students' results, short-haired cats made no contact on hard surfaces, but he did see evidence of a slight smear on the soft bedding surfaces. Con- Don't tell me this. Conclusions. If you have a short-haired cat and they have oh. been lying on a pile of laundry, an unmade bed, or perhaps even your pillow, there's a possibility their butthole has been touching those surfaces. I guess so. This is The kid did this for a science fair in Tennessee? Yeah, yeah. This kid's a genius. Yeah, right? He's a sixth grader. Well, yeah. Wait. No, he's smart. It's good <laughs> When he gets to college. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a funny headline, right? It's like a funny, it's a funny thing to do, but it's all like when you think about it and you have a cat, you're like, you know what? Let's find out. And I think a sixth grade science fair is a good place to, to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Right here in Tennessee. Why not? Here's one for you. Nigel, your African gray parrot went missing in California. I hate that you, when I have. You put your missing parrot posters up everywhere. You stuck them on, on every tree you could find. You stapled them in. Um, you searched every nest, every tree, and every branch. But all for naught, because Nigel had flown away. Get the lasers in his eyes. Yeah, that's maybe that's why. Well, yeah. one day, four years later, you receive a call. Have you lost a bird? In the confusion, you say, no, couldn't be mine. But then you remember. You remember Nigel. Oh, yeah. I had a bird four years ago. Judy, Julie Sperling, she's on the other end of the line. She owns a dog grooming parlor. And after she took him in, she matched his microchip to a missing pet advertisement. So I don't know how those were still up four years later, but maybe like a digital one. There you go. I have no idea. But somehow she saw this this poster. Maybe he'd been putting him up. How would he forget about his bird, though? This this is like the plot hole I'm not understanding in the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, however, the reunion was a little rocky. The bird bit the man when they went to pick him up, and he also lost his British accent, and it was replaced by him speaking fluent Spanish and looking wait, wait, for wait, someone wait, wait, named Larry. Wait, 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 wait. The bird bites the guy. Yeah. Who loses his accent? The guy after the bird bite? No, it's apparently the bird lost it. The oh, bird now okay. speaks Spanish. And, I got and I I guess this was like It was looking for Larry. Bird. Like a radioactive spider. Well, the the independent report said even though he had no idea where the bird had been for the last four years, he claimed uh, it's really weird. I knew it was him the minute I saw him. So even though he bit him and he's he's, he's speaking well, a different he language bit him now, and he speaks fluent Spanish. I knew it was him. I guess. What if the bird took the microchip and he stuck it in another bird to flow the coop? That's that that's, would be brilliant. I bet this guy Muhammad 
Uh, she, Aisha, would have liked to have been able to do that. I, oh, yeah. I've got some. I've got some story. bad news, good news for you. Yeah. I'm not sure what the good news is on this because this just kind of sucks all the way around. But yeah, Muhammad Aisha joined his cursed ship, the MV Amman, on 5th of May 2017, and never got off it. Wow. The BBC reports it began in July 2017 when MV Amman was detained at the Egyptian port of Adabaya. Oh. The cargo ship was held because it had expired safety equipment and classification certification certificates. Since the captain of the ship was taken ashore, Aisha was declared the ship's chief officer by the court yeah. and its legal guardian. Mm-hmm. However, the Lebanese company that owns the vessel never paid Egypt for the bills that it owed. And uh, this guy has been stuck on this ship for four years yeah. by himself. I, so I read this story. He was, and I, I guess apparently what happened, they took the captain off, right? And there's they some took court. The off. And so they're like, well, since you are the next, next at bat, you are now the legal guardian of the ship. But the problem is. The Lebanese, the Lebanese flagship, they never paid for the fuel and never paid for passage. Yeah. So he's not allowed off for four, for four years. Well, and all his sailor buddies flew the coop. They said, well, see you. You're the guy who's stuck here, not me. He left. couldn't even, so he wasn't even allowed to leave. He had to sneak off, and it took until last year for this to break off anchor and, and ground itself against the shore. Yeah. Then he could jump and he could swim to shore and, and get food and then bring his so wet he, food he, back he, on board. Yeah, so his, his highlight of his, of his last four years was a storm. That wow. broke his anchor so that he ran aground close enough to be able to swim to shore to get some food in Egypt. His mom died while he was out at sea? His mom died while he was out at sea. He is now finally free and uh, said, how do I feel? I feel like I finally got out of prison. I imagine so. And I feel going to be joined. I'm finally going to be joined by my family. I'm going to see them again. That's the really good news that has happened. He's finally out and he, he survived the whole ordeal, but I'm sure some physical and mental issues uh, after that. I guess this didn't happen in a vacuum, though, right? There's, there's a bad news, no, PS a, bad news. There's a PS bad news uh, that goes according to the International Labor Organization, there are more than 250, 250 Dooner active accounts or cases around the world where Crews are simply left abandoned to fend for themselves. Two hundred fifty, man. Why? Why? Why does nobody care? I, I don't know. I, I care now that like this has been brought I, to my attention. I feel like yeah, like this is this is not right. Uh, and the government but, just let them fend for it. Like the Lebanese government was just like, sorry, it's all, and the Egyptians. It's so inhumane. It's so inhumane to me that they would do that. Like. What well, they, he? And, he, and he said that while he was on there, he said it was like a coffin at night. There were no lights. Yeah. There was nothing at all. He had no power, no diesel, no nothing on this ship. For yeah, there's four no energy years. on it. No so what, energy at all. How? What was he doing? Like, did he have to go through the cargo manifest, start cracking open seals and containers, and just uh, like uh, making uh, the place as livable as possible? It would be a, a really interesting story, um, and maybe a movie. Right? Yeah. Or uh, a boring movie. I mean, it's four well, years. I mean, going you know, you had the Tom Hanks one where he was stuck on an island and stuff yeah. like that, which was pretty or interesting. Matt while, Damon but. stuck up in on Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. This happened right Like, all you, you could just take in a dinghy over and save this guy. Why are we so weird as a people? It's just strange to me that yeah, you would. It doesn't make a ton of sense. Brutal. Brutal. It really is. <laughs> it is. It really but is. Good news is the guy's off. He's reunited with his family, and, uh, and, he, and he's good. We have stuff like this going on, and people sit around getting angry about like the dumbest things. They sit around like fighting women having reflective leggings for safety. 
Yeah, like, wh- wh- why do you care? Like, why do people care about things that aren't even attacks on them? It's just ridiculous I, I, I to don't, me. I don't. There's real issues going on out there, people. Yeah, there um, you guys have an amazing weekend. Thank you for joining us uh, on the show. We had four of these What the Trucks this week, so we caught them all. You were a true fan. We love you. Uh, coming up on Monday, we got Stephanie Stuckey. She's CEO of Stuckey's Corporation, reinvigorating yeah. pecan logs. Those pecan logs. Stars a roadside attraction, bringing it back. The Great American Road Trip. I think it's going to be a big deal this year as we all get back behind the wheel from those vaccines. Take it easy, everybody. Find me on Twitter, activity, do not, D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Subscribe to us, favorite podcast player of choice. Take care. Peace and love.